listening to A New Lens. I'm Calvin. This is a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Uh, we got a we got a movie today. We got a movie to talk about, and uh, I was really excited to revisit this one. Me too. We're talking man. about School of Rock. Add like a. Tar riff there or something. I wanted to do it, but I I was like, if I do it, then Calvin won't have the ability to do it himself in the audio edit. So I'm just gonna leave a blank, awkward silence. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there's a wow wow there. Anyway, dude, this was this was a good movie. I for, I forgot, and I yeah. did not remember Richard Linklater. That's what I was just gonna say, man. Richard Linklater has just such a f- solid ass. Uh, career of films. Yeah, it's he really does. Watching this movie felt like watching someone who just knew what they were doing. Like the writing and the directing was so just things that I wouldn't have cared about as a kid. You know, right. like oh, that would have gone over my head. This time I was like, wow, they actually explained that, or oh, that actually makes sense, or oh, my suspension of disbelief is perfect for this to work you know like right totally. it's a it's such a well-balanced uh script and feature for the director uh i was really surprised um i knew i was gonna like it it's school of rock it's jack black hey, come on i've said it yeah. before too which we'll get into later in the show i consider this one of the best casting choices of all time I mean, but, the movie was, like, basically made for him. Right? Exactly. I think that's what we should talk about first, is how this movie came to be. Well, uh, just a quick recap of the movie for oh, people who haven't watched it in a while. Sorry about and that. And this one's not going to take very long at all, uh, so no worries. I mean, you remember this movie. Come on. Jack Black is a sort of deadbeat rocker (laughs) he wants to just pursue music but he's living in his uh friend's apartment basically rent free and his girlfriend his roommate's girlfriend is trying to get uh his roommate to kick him out and his roommate is a substitute and one day in the apartment jack black is there alone and he gets a call from someone wanting to give his friend slash roommate a substitute job. So he takes it instead because he's looking for money. He's looking to just slack off, but eventually he notices that these kids are actually good musicians. He eavesdrops on a, a class of theirs playing like classical music. And so he starts teaching them music and like teaching them rock and showing them videos of rockers and like basically secretly holding this like rock lesson and not teaching them actually which is something i i want to get into a little bit but uh it's a movie uh and uh it that he wants to organize them and rehearse with them to be able to perform at this battle of the band so he can win some cash initially is his uh his incentive but over time he learns how to be an actual adult and a teacher and he also teaches these kids who go to this like prim and proper school how to be you know how to enjoy sort of rebelling and punk and rock music and uh, he also sort of has that influence on the uh, on the principal of this school, who's very uptight. And uh, there's uh, a little bit of something there along the way. Um, but they have this final performance. The parents are all pissed, but they go and see their kids perform, and they're all blown away. And uh, the the credit scene is my favorite part. 
Jack Black, his character has started a school of rock that's like an after school program. Um, after, you know, being discovered to be lying about who he is, but after the performance and seeing what he did for all the kids, it all worked out. So, uh, that's School of Rock, and it's just, it's just Jack Black Central, man. (laughs) It is, uh, I like that we recently did Elf, because this is the Jack Black Elf, if that makes sense. Uh, Really put him on the Except even more so, because this literally, the, uh... The process of writing this movie, Mike White, who plays Ned Schneebly, the uh, roommate in question, he wrote this movie living next to Jack Black. They lived in the same apartment building, and he was uh, not annoyed in a bad way, annoyed in like, uh, yeah, that's good old Jack Black. Jack would stay up late playing loud music. He'd come home partying. He'd do comedy, like, constantly throwing bits. And he's just oh, a cool. funny, like, huge spirited guy to live near. And yeah. Mike White was like, I've got a, uh idea. And he started this idea for the script. And he literally based it on Jack Black as a person. Wow. So <laughs> Dewey Finn is Jack Black at that wow. time. Like, yeah, sure. You know, during, like, college, basically. Right. Um, and... uh yeah, so that's like how the movie came to be was these two guys lived next to each other and Jack Black so was like, cool. hell yeah, I'll make this movie with you. And then um, I don't God, know Richard how it got it. to Richard Linklater, but yeah. I do know like Richard Linklater, as much as he's like, that's Richard Linklater, bro. None of yeah. his movies are like high, high budget like blockbusters no. he's the kind of guy that would pick up a script because it's a good script and just right. do it you know what i mean and this script is fucking solid it's it is it's just like you know people talk about uh back to the future being the best script ever like it's taught in a lot of film schools as just being a perfect script and uh I love that because Back to the Future obviously has plot holes. It's a time travel movie. But the script is perfect. It's not uh, a um, intellectually like the most uh, scientifically accurate script. It's a perfectly executed script. And I think that this is another example of like there are things that might be a little bit... uh, you know, suspension of disbelief, but because of how sure. well executed the script is, all of a sudden the movie's over and you're just like dancing. You know what I mean? It just yeah. happens. It just happens in front of you. It's like right. organic. It's so cool. I will say that there was a different experience in watching it for me uh, now as an adult where it's part of the script and it needs to be in there, but there's like basically the middle or or the like in the five acts of this movie, the second act, like the first act is setting up who this guy is and then getting him into it. And the second act where he's just a guy being a terrible teacher and like not wanting to do anything for these kids was really hard for me to watch this time. Like as a kid, I was sort I of totally just like, you. It's ah, silly. he's just a guy, he's trying, yeah, he's goofy. Yeah. But this time I was like, ah, this is fucked up kind of, <laughs> you know, like, he yeah, should be, I think like these kids deserve a teacher, but Absolutely. I think the thing that uh, makes that work so well is um, maybe specifically uh, Jack Black's chemistry with Miranda Cosgrove in that scene. The way she represents like 
the idea of a student that needs a teacher, but right. to a point that's elevated enough for you to be like, no, oh, fuck that. And he <laughs> represents the rebellious like side to right. a point where you're like, yes, but it's like yeah. funny, but I absolutely get you. It's, it's Richard Linklater has a sense of realism in his directing that makes for a, oh, wait, that's kind of fucked up when you think about it. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, it's not like this guy, Dewey Finn, is a cartoon character. Like, we see him drink beer. You know what I mean? Right. We yeah. see him uh, shirtless, and it feels like, you know, a man. I don't Just know how to guy. explain yeah. that. Yeah, like, the, in a kid's movie, I feel like he'd be in, like, a, like a white, uh, tank top or he drinks sure. something but we don't know right. if it's beer but like there's he's literally doesn't he say to the kids like i don't think he says i have a hangover but he says like i've got he a say, headache and the runs or does he say i've got a hangover he says i have runs. a hangover and they're like that means you're drunk and he's like no that means i was drunk yesterday that's right <laughs> yeah that's yeah. like all stuff that i feel like uh, could very easily be turned into a kids movie script, kids movie sure. movie thing, mm-hmm. but Richard Linklater was like, no, like let's see what this real guy, what would he be like in this situation? Like, what if this right. guy existed? Because he does. Jack Black does exist. And oh yeah. I mean, you hear like when you go through like IMDb trivia or uh watch the cast reunion from seven years later or mm-hmm. um see any interviews with cast members you know that jack black was like literally like that to those kids in (laughs) real life he was fun he was just like come on let's hang out and be kooky and like in those scenes you could see the kids like totally like you like most of them could hold it together and then one of them would be like like yeah (laughs) trying not to laugh you know yep oh man uh but that section really feels that I was talking about where I felt uncomfortable really feels like it pays off uh in the scene where uh the the drummer he that kid goes off with the band members when they're like waiting to audition that's the scene yeah I totally yeah Jack Black goes over and he's like I was worried sick and it it is completely that character Dewey like realizing and like you know, maturing and becoming a res- more responsible adult while still maintaining, you know, all of his ideology about <laughs> being a rocker, sticking it to the man. I just said that really weird rocker. Um, <laughs> but it it doesn't feel like comical. You know, it doesn't feel like like it no, doesn't yeah, make that sense. Moment it is feels serious. so organic. Yeah, I I and I love that as a kid. That actually was a thing that affected me. I remember being a kid and being like, oh, that's not cool. Uh, I'm going (laughs) to listen to Jack Black because Jack Black is fucking cool. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, yeah, like it works as a moment for kids to be like, because we don't see um, the character. His name is uh, Freddie. We don't Mm. see him like smoking a cigarette. We don't see him take a sip of a beer it's not like one of those but the guys that are hanging out with them are like you know one of them smoking a cigarette which isn't even like a thing jack black points out i don't think does he or does he say like so yeah but it's 
I remember being a kid and just being like, I've been in a situation like that and I and I've been uncomfortable like around adults and not knowing if I can speak up or if I should leave or whatever. And this mm. moment makes me feel okay with like that not being cool. Like yeah. It's not cool to be uncomfortable. And right. <laughs> I feel like that's such a mature like little moment in such a big comedy. Like the movie is a yeah. comedy for all ages but that's a family a, comedy yeah i having moments like that makes it important yeah and like that scene in particular illustrates a good clear like illustration of boundaries in this mm -hmm. you know narrative like it's okay to like want to fight back against the man and like have a sort of punk attitude to want to go against things uh and sort of fit in with people who feel like they don't fit in and it's okay for the people who were there to be like, man, this kid has like some spunk, like what a cool kid. But it's not okay for those strangers to just take this kid back to their van and like play cards with them. Like that's inappropriate, you know, yes. like drawing those clear lines. Like I, I, I was pleasantly surprised, I think, at how it, it very much could have uh, past some lines, especially like uh, Dewey's relationship with the kids. Um, but it really doesn't. It just feels like this man who understands vivacity and like enjoying life and art for the like the pure energy of it and, and the skill of making music and expressing that to the kids in like a fun way, which is just who he is, you know? And it's honestly, let's be real, brilliant how they made it that the kids kidnap him in right. the end. Like, right. he didn't take these kids. The whole time you're thinking, like, this is a guy who's not actually a licensed teacher trying right. to make this field trip happen. I'm on board because I like the movie and I want this thing to happen. But if it does, it is weird, right? Like, that this guy mm -hmm. is just taking these kids but since it ends up being the kids showing up on the bus, being like, we're here to we go. Let's to rock. This. Come on. It's yeah. just, it works so well. And it's right. not like a weird vibe. It just works. And like, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I love that aspect of the film. Um, I'd be really interested uh, like, to hear uh, from people who work at, real places like this because there are institutions there's literally a place called school of rock in saint paul here in minnesota wow. um that is basically like a rock school sort of like this but you know the difference is <laughs> they signed up for it and they knew what they were getting and these kids you know learned to appreciate it but they were not you know in the narrative yeah. they weren't asked to and that's another thing this. i noticed too is this is one of those rare movies where every single kid in the classroom is an actual character. There isn't yeah. like a random kid that shows up halfway through the movie and then yeah. like three kids that disappear or are only there during certain scenes. Every single right. kid in the classroom is a character, which is great, but it also means that no one had a choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not but like also... he was like, if anyone doesn't want to do this, you can get the fuck out. Like, no, he <laughs> right. was like, yeah, you're going to be. But I, I agree. Yeah. It's nice how that, I mean, it's a movie, you know? And yeah. so being able to have them all grow to appreciate it was, you know, that's part of why the movie's good. And another cool thing about that is like, you know, 
the band itself, the people playing the music, I mean, you have bands out there that are like 20 people, but odds are this, you know, class of children, they're not all going to be perfect at instruments that all go together to make a perfect band sound. But that doesn't matter because putting on a show is not just the musicians. And I love the way that that's incorporated. Like, yes, I, I... I feel like initially I was like, oh, man, some of these kids like don't get to be a part of things. And he's kind of like, you're on security and like you're on costumes and whatever or wardrobe. And but it all it feels it. it uh, Richard Linklater does such a good job and the script as well. I mean, at incorporating those things and making it feel like such a cumulative. Everybody gets a payoff moment. Every Everybody single does. person. Yeah. We have. The uh, great, like, uh, solo moments in the end Mm -hmm. where they each get a solo. Even, like, the light show we get. Right. um, And, yeah, like, uh, Miranda Cosgrove. uh, I I don't... Summer. We get her going up to an (laughs) actual, like, business dude and being like, hi, I'm the manager. You know, like, (laughs) she gets her payoff moment. Like, the parents even have moments with, like... Right. Oh, it's all... Joan Cusack with... Spider. <laughs> hey. I like that character too because they added more nuance to that character that very easily could have been like the antagonist. Like there's not yes. really an antagonist to this movie. Except I will say they kind of do make like a sort of sideline antagonist out of Sarah Silverman who plays his roommate's girlfriend and at the beginning, Jack Black's like, come on, man, I've been taking advantage of you for like four years and it's never been a problem until she came around. You got to break up with her. And it's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But then also in the end, like he kind of does just break up with her and ditch her, even though she yeah. did have his best interests in mind. So that's she one had, little thing, I suppose. I will say, I think that's um, one of those tropes that just isn't aging well of the like, oh, man, your girlfriend's, a, you know. B word. Sure. I don't even want yeah. to say it. Like, but yeah. that's the trope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like Sarah Silverman is just so good that it's funny as fuck and works the whole time. And yeah. then when she does have like her uh in your face moment where he mm-hmm. like slams the door on her when she's saying, like, you just need to learn how to stand up for yourself. Right. I do feel like it it works in the context of the film, in the context of like cinema. It's mm-hmm. a trope. It's like, yeah. you know, it's old. Yeah. So, like, I'm glad we don't see that as much in- anymore because I feel like I haven't actually seen that as much lately. But um, Sarah Silverman's portrayal and the tight script make for a, like, funny payoff of her being... D- like, we we assume this is him finally standing up for himself. And the mm-hmm. reason why he um, is dating this person is because mm-hmm. it's a reason, another way for him to not be standing up for himself. Like, right. how can, okay, he's got his friend juicing him. How can mm-hmm. he have someone tell him what to do too? Like, he needs both right. ends because he's just like, so by the yeah. end, he's able to tell Dewey how he feels and he's able to, to tell his girlfriend. But in 2003, it's funny for the girlfriend to be uh, sure. shitty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I think is a good thing to acknowledge. Like, that's that's a little old. <laughs> but yeah. Sarah Silverman is so fucking good, though. Like, I can't... Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where sometimes there are characters in movies that the character itself, I'm like, ah, but then the person portraying them just knocks it out of the park. Nails it. Yeah. Like, you never in the scenes with her are like, oh, God, get out of here. It's yeah, just and like, the scene already. It's part of the no. circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. It makes um, you laugh. I, I'm, this movie is very much like, <laughs> we've said this before, and I hope people understand what we get when we say, this movie is a movie. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. you go into it expecting just like a, a story to wash over you. You know, like yep. you could poke some holes in this. Like one of the things is like, the parents would still be mad. <laughs> oh, they, at the end they're go like, to wow, jail. they were amazing. I'm so proud of you. Like, no, they, they like, it very likely would not go down like that. But it serves yeah. the plot of this movie very, very well. And is like, it accomplishes a very heartwarming feeling. Like watching these parents see their children perform in ways that they didn't think they could. It I've really, heard, uh, it really, uh, I forget if it, it was like an interview I listened to or just read. But Patty Jenkins, the director of um, the Wonder Woman films that are coming mm. out right now, yeah. talked about how these days people are just afraid to have heart in their movies. Like they're mm. just afraid to have like a sappy scene sure. or like just a great like, oh, that feels good ending. It's always like the big fight scene or uh, right. like a logical payoff. It's sometimes... Mm-hmm fun to just have a movie where you know maybe logic takes a step a step uh back for emotion to take a step forward you know yeah totally and i that's like the reason why the first wonder woman and even the second wonder woman which i understand it's gotten a lot of criticisms that i understand and gotten seen it but the heart in both of those movies is my favorite thing about them and this movie does that it just it has a fucking heart. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, it is a movie. I love that feeling of movies being, uh, I don't know, like... It's just a little journey you're going on. Yeah, it, yeah. It knows it's not... what's going to be satisfying for this like visual audio medium exactly. to consume, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. The cinematography, I think... There were some cool things, especially like that first shot, the intro shot of this movie. They open the door to this place and all of the first credits, like a film by Richard Linklater, Jack Black's name. And like those things are done with a one -er, and those texts are just like on the wall, like music posters. Music posters, yeah. In in like a, a, you know, performance space. Ah, like that's really cool. I do feel like most of the rest of it is shot pretty pretty standard like yeah the, it doesn't take not... a whole lot of shot like big chances but it does what it needs to really well visually yeah you know? and i would say that um something i noticed was i could tell that jack black would be doing a whole body thing but we were mm-hmm. just it knew when to do a close-up is what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah there right. are some times when jack black i mean he's so amazing that you have to pick and choose like all right, are we going to show how he's, like, shuffling his feet when he's walking up? Or are we going right. to show the face he's making? And there are a yeah. couple times where I was like, oh, my gosh, he's totally doing, like, his Jack Black footsteps. Because he's got this <laughs> thing he does sometimes where he walks. And it's, yep. like, just such a Jack Black Swing thing. his legs, yeah. Yep. And uh, I love that. Uh, I think that's, like, where 
as far as cinematography this movie shines is just knowing exactly what shot to put where but yeah. it's not at all complicated there's not right. like uh harsh lighting there's not um weird yeah. angles that's like the only yeah. oneer that's made for style like all the other yeah stuff all the others are incorporated really organically you know a performance yeah and organic yeah for sure I mean so much of it is I mean this movie was written for Jack Black it's like very much his show the kids are fantastic in it as well but just to highlight like the the style of cinematography is almost always matched to what will best highlight what he's doing in that scene you know Absolutely. like you're saying like when to have a close-up and my favorite use of it is when they just let him go when they're like hey uh you've written a song like let us hear it and he just sings the song for them and performs it and it's one shot just on his face pulling away and they just let him go you know and it feels like so perfect for exactly that moment because it is both goofy and awkward so there's not like cutting to give you like to to break it up like you really got to yeah. live in that but it's also really good so yeah you, you're kind of struck thing. by his like talent at being able to to compose in this way you know even though it's not the style that he presents is not in the public eye extremely consumable like right away it's not what you would look for or think of when you think of this type of music but it's also no, so perfect yeah. you know like if i were to direct school of rock when jack black is showing um like how to play guitar i would be cutting to his fingers and then cutting down to the strumming hand and then cutting up right. to his face cuz it's jack mm -hmm. black richard linklater very clearly knows like or is very clearly a fan of live performance because mm -hmm. he doesn't cheapen any of the live performances with um pizzazz uh editing yeah it is just performance and and when it is edited like that final performance is, has some great moments it still sounds and feels live that was something yeah. that i was like right. oh shit i didn't realize Nothing sounds dubbed. That's Did you notice that? That's the sound editor, man. Yeah, it's the it the mixer because so some of good. it is. I another thing I want to point out is like as a as a guitar player, but like uh I'm always watching if I think people are actually playing or not. And so often you can just tell when someone does not know how to play a guitar at all and honestly jack black knows how to play the guitar but he can't like shred like he does at a exactly. couple points in this movie but they yep. hide it well but also all of the kids do a very good job of learning enough of what they need to do to make it really look like they're playing it even though if you look closely you're like he's hitting some wrong keys on that keyboard he's not doing the solo perfect but it does not look weird. It does not look yeah. like just somebody doing nothing on a keyboard and dubbing it over it. Like they knew what they were going to play and tried to make it look like that. You know, one example of that that I think is really cool, um, as far as like a production decision, mm -hmm. uh, in that first scene when Jack is deciding when Jack when Dewey is deciding <laughs> like who's going to be in the band, and he mm -hmm. has Katie uh, who plays cello. Flip it over, cello. You got a bass. The yeah, bass he gives right. her, it's a string. It's no strings. Uh, there are no strings on the bass, and oh, they really? CGI'd strings onto it, and what? it looks 
perfect. I don't know really? how f- in 2003 they did that so well, but Man. the way you can tell is they go up into the neck and then just stop at the top <laughs> of the neck. You know, oh, like wow. strings yeah. on a guitar or a bass screw into the uh, knobs and you can see like the string twined around it. Yeah, Literally, it just like cuts off, which to someone who doesn't play an instrument wouldn't look weird at all. But yeah, to someone right. who does, it's like that's that's something's up with that, you know. I'm surprised so, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, and I just think it's so cool because it's just allowed for uh, freedom and direction. And then they just like added the strings in later, added the sound in later, and it all looks and sounds fucking real. And it's crazy yeah. to me. Like, and it's a movie that doesn't need all like a lot, a lot of time spent on visuals and sound, but. Richard mm-hmm. Linklater wants his movies to feel like real life, I think, and that's why he does right. that, you know? Yeah. Oh, and he does that so well. He's really got his finger, like, directly on the pulse of what just feels natural in in a movie and looks natural. Oh, man. And what a what a cast to include in this movie in general. I mean, like, we've talked about Jack Black a bit. The only other thing I, I really want to say, and we already sort of touched on this, is, like, I love that dude's uh, musicality. Like, I've been a fan of Tenacious D. Like, he has this way of tuning into... He knows he's being goofy, and this is weird, and doing a voice! But he's, like, leaning into it, and it feels satisfying as hell. It's still satisfying. I am really to Dolph. Yeah, right. You no, know, that and, part yeah. is so fun to watch as a kid. I need to do my homework today, so now yeah. I'm really ticked off. Yeah. Like, it's funny, but it's also like, yeah, I want to do that too, you know? And I I remember, I mean, I, I started playing guitar, actually, I think a few years after uh, watching this movie for the first time, but a hundred percent him just jamming those sorts of things. Not even when they're like really fo- fully performing the concert. I mean, I think that's cool, but like him just improving and Dude, getting so... the kid to like get into it too. Those little things and it made me want to pick the, pick it up. It that improving stuff when he oh he's like all right play. These cho- play a G chord. Bum, 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 ba-dum, right. Ba-dum, bum, all right. Bum. All right. Now you pl- just just play this. Keep playing that G. That's all I want you mm-hmm. to do. You just dance. Walk on that G. And he just starts uh like singing and like mm-hmm. playing. And then like you were saying, the camera just kind of backs up in that moment too, and it just shows yeah. them all playing together. And what's so cool is like you've done it. I've done it. Like when you have like a group of musicians that can jam, that's what oh. it's like. Yeah, it's it like really that, is. you know, yep. and the fact that they're kids is so fun. It's it's mm-hmm. one of the best concepts for a movie ever because it's just like, what is more satisfying than making music? Watching like kids learn the joy of like creativity, combine right. those things. I don't know. Like, also, it's so awesome. The distinct environment to learn appreciating music in that way. Like, I tried 
taking lessons right when I first picked up the guitar. I fiddled around with it a little bit. And then I tried taking a couple lessons and I was like, I hate this. I'm just like in a room with a guy and he's like, all right, here's how you read sheet music. And you play. And I'm like, I don't like this. So I stopped, but I still wanted to learn to play. So I kept playing. And then eventually I got the environment of in college meeting people who liked who I felt like I vibed with and jamming together. But that's sort of like. We're all on the same playing field here and learning how to play together. And I was not really good at it because mostly I just played on my own. But here is a circumstance where there is someone facilitating and helping you as a group, like a bunch of people, learn to play together. And I think that's such a specific uh, circumstance that is so that, that the joy of is so well portrayed here. You know what I mean? And it's wonderful that that is not just like a thing that's the point so right. in the end he realizes it too like mm-hmm. oh this is what i'm here to do like i thought i wanted to be the lead guitarist in a heavy rock band right. i want to teach people how to be that and yeah you know maybe i i like to think that the the school of rock band has gigs after that still too you know yeah sure totally in the school of rock universe and i love in that credits thing which also god love richard linklater man making the uh, decision to just go meta there to just to yeah just they're gonna play the whole credits and even be like the movie's still on yeah still on the screen (laughs) like like it turns into real life but also the the cutaway to his roommate teaching like the little little kids the very oh. very basics like here's a c chord like yeah you're doing that good even though it's not it's... a c chord at all <laughs> i think that yeah, moment think was about purposefully right? not a c chord at oh, all too, yeah you know 100%. that was yeah. so yes that i love that so much and uh <laughs> jack black getting to have his like and then the kids being like i don't know there's something so just like i had a tear in my eye like you know that this was almost a behind the scenes moment like you know right jack black full-on like uh was i'm sure they did a couple takes and they planned out what they were gonna do and oh yeah um, but what i mean is like outside of that scene that's what he was like you know even outside of other scenes like i could just see him making those kids just feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. making sure everybody i mean not just the kids like everybody he seems like the kind of guy that would just make the whole set awesome and comfortable i just thought of something uh, I was listening to an interview um, with one of the cast members and they were talking about ideas like did the kids have any ideas or any like improv and they were like no there wasn't really much improv but one thing that actually is really cool is Kevin who plays Freddy the drummer at the end of the movie is the person who was like oh I don't I don't know that I like that we lose like I get it it's like a learning lesson but like shouldn't we have like an encore or something? And Richard Linklater was like, uh, yeah. And that's really? why there's an encores. And I don't know how so awesome. true that is. Cause you know, I heard it in an interview sure. from another cast member remembering it, but sure. it's enough for me to, to be like, I think that's a thing. Like I'm pretty sure the kid who yeah. played Freddie was the reason there's an encore in that movie. Wow. And I just think that's so cool. Cause that is the total 
like not just the thing that you need as a kid because you do you can Mm. as a kid watching that movie they can't lose and then that's the end of the movie i'm sorry yeah but you also do need to know what it means to work really really hard and that be the yes that's the point the point of it and i think an encore does it perfectly because it's showing that all of their work has paid off for them and I think that the encore is started because their parents are there and their parents are the ones who start right. up the, the cheering. cheering. And them it's on. like, yeah, they've totally. succeeded in making their parents proud. They've succeeded in this art. They didn't win the competition, but they don't care because they get to just keep playing together. And then they pl- get to play like a song song, not a song that they wrote, but like, don't they? Uh, what's the song that they play? They play, uh, uh, they play ACDC. The yeah. If you want to rock and roll? Yeah, and that's what mm-hmm. yeah, and it just turns into uh the same that's what they play in the credits too. But it's just yeah. cool. Oh, man. Shout out one more time to Mike White cuz we've talked about him as a writer a lot. He's a great actor too. He says such a good job as the uh roommate who's like, "Come on, man." You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. good. And then seeing a picture of him in like full heavy metal makeup, it's so funny cuz we yeah. just know do we you know um (laughs) but i think we should talk about uh the kids in this movie because by god they're all great they're all really good it's so fun when a movie is for fam a family like four kids Mm -hmm. has kids in it and they're actually like your age like you know i'm 10 watching a movie with 10 year olds in it and it's not like cringe when you grow up (laughs) like i I don't know, like everybody, I feel like it, it could be a testament to Richard Linklater and who, uh, I forgot who edited this film. She's edited, I think, more than one of his films. It's not just like a, a one-off. I think it's his... Sandra anyway, Adair. Thank you. Uh, the editing and direction obviously play a huge part in what we see and versus what we don't see, but also like what we do see is good acting, uh... All across the board, Miranda Cosgrove is really funny in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Kenny or Kevin? Kevin, I think his name is, who plays Freddy, is Mm -hmm. very funny in this movie, too. Yeah. Uh, He's, like, one of the only kids who just, like, tries to be a little dick to Jack Black. And it's just, (laughs) it feels real, you know? Like, Yeah, yeah, he's got that. That's You're sort fat, of and I rebellious. hate you. What does he say? Like he says something, or no? That's the other kid. He's like, oh yeah. Okay, so Lawrence, the keyboarder, uh, played by Robert Sy, and then uh, I feel like sort of the main character of the kids is Zach, the guitar player, and I think that's because you know Dewey, this main character, is a guitar player, so they have a, a big uh, sort of uh friendship there but they also flesh that character specifically out a little bit more than the other kids like we we see see his his relationship with his dad and um how his dad is kind of putting him down you know saying you should not be practicing these music things you should be doing uh you should be doing your regular schoolwork uh that actor is joey gatos jr um and uh yeah but uh there is one other actor Who's that you're talking about? I, I, well, I don't even. I don't know. I mean, well, you should because we we talked with them earlier today. <laughs> and, oh uh, yeah, that's right. We, we had a really, really incredible opportunity 
to uh, have a great conversation with Rivka Reyes, who plays Katie, the bassist in the band. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about Katie and the the bass scene, but um, when we actually got to talk to Rivka, we kind of dove into other stuff. We didn't really talk about School of Rock, so we, th- we thought we'd get that over with in this segment so that this interview could be something fresh. And I'm sure there are uh, those out there who have already watched interviews with Rivka before. So I tried to not ask all the questions that have been asked. So, yeah, I just, yeah, uh, just a heads a up. I think this is a actual just conversation. It, I had a really great time talking with them. But first, a quick message from After the Fact Calvin, just to let you know that, uh, unfortunately, I pressed some button wrong uh, during our interview with Rivka and... Uh, my audio went through the wrong route, so my audio's a little bit worse. Sorry about that, but oh man, what a conversation you're about to hear. So, we are so extremely excited to uh, welcome you onto the podcast here, Rivka Reyes. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I am, you know, drinking some Earl Grey. I am in my little home office, which is just a um, a chair at a table. Um, <laughs> yeah. With a computer. We've all had that this last year. The chair and table home office. Yeah. We yeah. understand. Yeah. How are you guys? Doing all right. Uh, we were talking a little bit before hitting record. Uh, I got a whole bunch of snow here in Minnesota today, so. I'm cooped up inside, but uh, it sounds like it's a little chilly there in L.A. as well. Yeah, it's like 60. I'm freezing. Oh, man, (laughs) how cold. (laughs) Um, I know. I feel like um, because I'm from Chicago, I get like a lot of my whenever my friends from Chicago move out here and they see me like wearing a full jacket and it's like 60 degrees. They're like, you bitch. Like, (laughs) come on. You're from Chicago. And I'm like, it's it's not fair. My body is adjusted. And they're like, yes, it adjusts. It's not a thing. (laughs) I 100 percent that I agree and I sympathize because anytime someone visits me, they're in a t-shirt and shorts and I'm in a hoodie and like sweatpants and a hat. And they're like, dude, it's like 67 degrees out. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just being comfortable. It's comfortable. So I don't know. This is what I, I think wear. I'm just one of those people that might be perpetually cold also. So, mm. you know, I, I, I do tend to, to run pretty chilly. That's sure. a benefit of living out or that's something that can benefit you living out here, I guess, because if you if you don't run cold in LA, it's always hot and that's an inescapable feeling. Yeah, I've thought about moving out there, but I definitely run hot and even that's in the, the like thing that negative temperatures, I keep the window open cuz I'm like burning up in bed. Eh, it's a constant process. Um we have a tradition on this show. So we talk about film and TV we liked as kids. Uh, and the main show we've been going through episode by episode is Avatar The Last Airbender. Are you familiar with the show at all? Um, I know it. I haven't seen it. Like, yeah, I know okay. what it is. Well, the we've been asking, and you can opt out or give a vague answer if you'd like, but we've just been asking people, if you were to be one of the benders, like Earthbender. I'd be a firebender. 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 Oh, Bam, awesome. right off the bat. Okay. All right. That sounds like you know why, too, and I kind of want to know. I am 
I, I am a firebender. You just are. You <laughs> like know I, 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 I do have this um, skill where I can manipulate smoke, like, with my eyes. Um, <laughs> and No, I'm serious. Literally. I mean, like, th- this is a real thing. Like, I'm not going to, like, do it. But um, I, I've been practicing kind of, like, witchcraft and, you know, Filipino rituals and stuff like that. Um, that are indigenous to my culture and there's a lot of fire involved and I've always just been drawn to like flame in general Um, whether that's like a candle or like the inner flame I think is like a woo-woo way of saying like your spirit (laughs) or your spark or whatever Um, and I'm also uh, not to get into astrology but totally to get into astrology (laughs) I do have like most of my chart is fire signs so okay i think that definitely qualifies me to be a firebender what are you guys i like i like that answer so much i'm sorry uh i i've said before i think or i want to be a waterbender but we all know i'm a firebender it's one of those situations it's it's the kind of it's the kind of question that a lot of people are like well i mean i want to be this but all my friends say i'm this that's like me i think i'm like I, I always am like, oh, my God, I'm such a Slytherin. And they're like, no, bitch, you're a Gryffindor for sure. <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to be a gri- I want to be a Slytherin. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. I just like snakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, similarly, it's interesting. We always get like a duplicate answer. We're giving our duplicate answers. I feel like I resonate with Earth, but I'm definitely a water, I think, because there's lots of change involved with water and sort of being in tune with that fluid yeah yeah. fluidity um i think it's very aligned like the airbender firebender all of that like is very aligned with astrology and that like firebenders Mm. are very like you know idea and like change you know driven and like opportunity driven and stuff like that whereas airbenders are more materialistically like resourced and like you know, grounded, obviously, earth, you're in the ground, you're grounded. Airbenders are very idea, like, you know, up in the clouds, like, you know, whatever. And water is all like emotions and fluid. What are y'all's, um, uh, birthdays? Uh, so we, we, we have birthdays a week apart. Yeah. I was (laughs) just going to be like, Ooh, this is a good one. Yeah. I'm on May 17th and he's a week older than me, May 10th. So you're both Tauruses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I love two Taurus friends. I love that so much. <laughs> Yay. I was like, I don't know if this is one of those things. I always get nervous when people ask me my sign because I'm like, oh, I don't know if you have a like a strong opinion like, about- You know, yeah, I've had like, bad oh, experiences with, I've had bad experiences with all of the signs and I've had good experiences with all of the signs too. Mm. So it would be pretty like messed up of me to be like, I hate Taurus men like even though I had like I had one Taurus ex that was like not great but then I have like a bunch of Taurus friends who are great so it's like how could I Mm -hmm. just pin all of that on that one experience that I had with one person because you know it also depends on like what is going on in the rest of their chart too like you know not to get too into astrology but like totally to get super into astrology like there's just like a (laughs) bunch of different planets that inform like a person's personality um, like the person's rising, the person's moon, they're like Mercury, Venus, like Mars, all of that shit like directly impacts the personality yeah. and like 
yeah, it's like it, even though it's like, I feel like Leo's get like some of the worst rep in astrology, hmm. at least for like, for girls, like for fem, feminine folks, um, yeah. like we get the worst rep because it's like, Oh, Leo's, they're such attention whores. They're drama Queens. Like, da, 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 da. but like, actually like we're pretty like generous. We're like really like loving and caring and we are like extremely loyal almost to a point where it's like a, a shadow like <laughs> of yeah. loyalty where it's like so you are a leo yeah i'm a yeah. leo yeah august 18th um yes. i am a leo sun with a libra rising and an aries moon i know my entire chart and it's like totally not what this podcast is about but i i no, am right. like I I mean, I would say that I am obsessed with astrology Um, and I I do strongly resent people who use their like sun sign as like an excuse for shitty personalities or like shitty behavior. And like, oh, I can't help but gossip. I'm a Gemini. Well, it's like, okay, but you (laughs) should, you should help that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Take accountability for your own actions. Yeah. So you do a lot of really awesome stuff. You're a comedian. You're a musician, actor. Uh, Gary was mentioning he he had a little bit more time. I was doing a workshop this week, but he had a little more time to look into you. And Gary, you were mentioning you saw uh, Rivka. You've been doing some screenwriting. Yeah, I'm writing um, a couple of projects. Um, I have a feature that I... I'm working on, and then I'm also writing a pilot. Um, and awesome. you know what I've been saying lately is I'm writing a TV show so that it's not just like I'm writing a pilot and then it's going to be done. Like no, really? I'm, like, I'm writing a TV show yeah. um, because yeah. if I just think about it as like I have to write the best pilot, then I'll be so like limited. But when I say I'm writing a TV show, or when I say like I'm writing a film, rather than saying I'm writing a short film, like you know, I feel like it like minimizes the thing down mm-hmm. to like, no, this is like a full film. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, this I is a totally full TV show. That. And then when you get an idea, you don't have to stop and be like, eh, that that's too much for this small thing I'm working on now. You can still like put it in the bank and then episode three, you can be like, oh, that idea that I had, like this fits in episode three now. And yeah, I love that. That's I, I do the same thing with film. If I'm like writing something at first it's always what are my resources and then i use that as like a jumping off point and almost never limit myself to like a time constraint it's like okay as soon as i say i'm writing like a three minute short film i just sit there in front of the computer for like Mm -hmm. 20 minutes trying to think of oh but this idea is too big this idea is too big it's easier for me to just take an idea and then turn it into what I need it to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I get that completely. Yeah, I was watching, I forget uh, which interview it was. You were talking about uh, working on a couple movies that are coming out? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> so um, my most recent feature, um, Bad Animal, actually has a digital premiere coming out on uh, February 26th. Oh, so that's soon. Mark your calendars, Mark folks. your calendars. Yeah, you can find more information on that at Bad Animal Film on Instagram. Uh, it's, yeah, at Bad Animal Film on Instagram, I think. Um, it's about two 
musicians in the Chicago kind of like indie, like DIY scene who will like fall in love. And it's, um, me and, uh, Michael DeVille, who's like a, just uh, an amazing rapper, actor, poet. Um, he's a part of this poetry and music collective called growing concerns. And their stuff is on Spotify. If you haven't, if you're like into poetry, like spoken word and, um, rap, like definitely check them out. Um, and he's just such a delight to work with. We went to college together. Um, and we like never worked together while we were in school because he was a senior when I was a freshman and we like only were just like friends and like could cross paths and we like party together and like smoke weed and whatever. But like (laughs) then getting to like work on this movie together, it, it was just, it was surreal. It was like, all of our like college dreams kind of coming true, mm, um, yeah. which was That's super awesome. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the team was just, it was indie. So it was a pretty small team and, and, you know, for, for the way it turned out, like I watched, <laughs> I watched the, the film, uh, the other day, just on my computer. And I was just like, what, this is like full, <laughs> like stars born vibes. Like this could definitely like be in a theater. Um, That's so awesome. fingers crossed that like, we do, you know, well at the festivals and, um, I'm pretty proud of our work. Um, I'm really proud of my work in it. Um, and it was just a trip to see myself in something where I'm on screen the whole time. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm like one of the two like lead characters in this film. And I was just like on screen, (laughs) like it was just, it was wild to watch it. It was just wild to see that and I'm like, wow, like all of this hard work has paid off. And then um, the other feature that I worked on in the, we filmed it in the fall of 2019 in Chicago. Um, it's called Alex October. Um, and that's another indie film. Uh, I got to play kind of like a party girl. I was definitely like one of the like side characters, which was really fun because I fi- I had finished shooting Bad Animal, which was like extremely emotional and like sure. a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then going from that into shooting Alex October, where I'm just playing this like coked up like 19 year old, <laughs> and <laughs> it was just, like, super fun. It was just really really fun. Um, yeah, the cast was really solid. I got to do um, I got to work with Ethan Kakoski who is on the show Shameless. He plays one of the Gallagher kids. And oh, I feel like I know who that is. I love Shameless. Yeah, he he's um, Carl Gallagher. Oh, um, wow. Show. He's so funny and like just he's so good in the, the movie. And we played like the two best friends to the like lead character, October. Um, and we're kind of just like the... I don't know if Rosencrantz and Gildenstern would be the right thing to say, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with that. We're like the fucked up junkie version of Rosencrantz and Gildenstern. (laughs) I love that. I I remember in um, another interview, I think it might have been the same one. I don't know. You were saying that you really liked uh, working with Joan Cusack because and like really want to be able to be that kind of performer where you just can turn into like a weird, totally different character than the personality type you actually are. And that sounds like kind of what you're getting to do right now. I Being really able to am. switch on a totally different role. I love that. I think acting is super cool because like 
really like, and what gives me like, I don't know, a lot of freedom and like joy when I'm working on something is like, okay, so like, here are all the facts that are true about me, Rivka. And then here are all the facts that are true about Marlene, my character. And -hmm. what's the Venn diagram? Like, where do we overlap and what's outside of the other things? And like, how can I play, you know, the opposite basically? Like if, you know, Rivka is sober, but my character is not like, how can I play that? Like, from an honest and like authentic place or if you know my character is like super like messy and like hates themselves but I Rivka like I I don't like I fucking love myself and I I have a really good relationship with myself but it took a lot of work to get there so I can call on the times when I didn't and when I was not sober and when I was messing around and being gross and like (laughs) being just like a complete pariah, you know, and bring that to the character, um, rather than like putting something on, it's like, no, like, how can I like add on to what already is? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious because I've played around with trying to actually write out some of those things in roles that I've played. Like, do you find that that's helpful for you to actually like sort of write out sort of a Venn diagram thing, or is this more of sort of a heady No, I write it out. I write it out. Even for auditions where, you know, not for like (laughs) one line, like on, you know, some like (laughs) Chicago fire, like thing where it's like, my husband, he was putting up, he was putting up (laughs) Christmas decorations and he fell and he hit his head. Is he going to be okay? Like that. I don't need. I like Christmas. They like Christmas, Christmas decorations. (laughs) Yeah. No husband, but cares about people in her life. Um, No, there's, there's. Like, if it's something where <laughs> this is so fucked up, if I want it, if I want the role, if I like really want the job, and I'm like, yeah. this would be perfect for me. I do my Venn diagram, I do all my work, and then I tend to get lazy when it's like something that I'm like, okay, this is a paycheck. Like, um, <laughs> sure. but yeah, I do, I do a lot of like text analysis. I am a firm believer that, like, all of the words, the stage directions, the lines like that are on the page are like a sandbox and I can do whatever I want within that sandbox. But like the stage directions and the words that are on the page are like the structure. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I can just like have so much fun like within the sandbox. Um, you know, I'm like Meisner trained and um, I love text analysis. Um, oh, sorry, to, uh, where did you go to college? I'm just curious. I went to University of Illinois at Chicago for theater school, okay. but I did my like the bulk of my training at um, school at Steppenwolf, which was oh, just like a okay, yeah, yeah. ten week not just it was like a it was a ten week course like intensive where we did like improv and voice you know work and on camera oh, stuff. Man. Yeah, Meisner. Uh, I think I said improv already, uh, but <laughs> improv was my favorite because it was like. It, it was really fun to do improv with non-improvisers because I yeah. was in the like improv scene in Chicago for a little while and it was just like toxic. Um, mm. I was toxic when I was in the improv scene in Chicago is what I should say. Sure. Um, but doing improv with non-improvisers, with people who are like serious theater <laughs> actors was so fun because everyone was just willing to like commit. Right. Yeah. And like, be and not try to be funny and i was just like thank god like this is so freeing to be able to do 
you know, improv from this place of like, nobody has to make anybody laugh. Like if it's honest, it will make people laugh and you don't have to worry about that. That's yeah. like the secret of improv, isn't it? I'm not an actor uh, myself, but isn't it just like say yes? Isn't that what they say? Like you yes just say and. yes to whatever. <laughs> yes and. Yeah, yes that's and. right. So like yeah. I feel like you saying that makes me totally understand why a lot of improv isn't funny when someone's just thinking in their head, what can I do that's funny rather than thinking how can mm-hmm. I showcase your improvisational abilities right now? Because that's... Like, yeah, I mean, the whole thing. And it's like Meisner and improv kind of go hand in hand because like oh, yeah. Meisner's very much like just interacting with the person that's across from you and not putting anything on them because there's always an opportunity for something new. Like in even if you're saying the same, you know, lines every night, eight shows a week, mm-hmm. there's still an opportunity for growth because depending on how you're feeling in that moment, plus how your scene partner is feeling in the moment. Plus how you as a duo are feeling like not every line is going to sound the exact same. And if it is like, that's potentially not an authentic way of mm-hmm. you know performing. Right. Um, so I really gained a lot from that. Um, another thing I gained a lot from, from school at Steppenwolf was the, um, the gift of verbs, um, mm. verbs as in like, for each line, for each sentence within a line. So like if you have a monologue that's like three pages long, each mm-hmm. sentence within that monologue is a different verb that you are yeah. trying to do to your scene partner or the audience by like saying that word. And it even works for commercial too. Like sure, yeah. it, it works for commercial. It works for voiceover. It's really important. And it keeps me active because I'm very, um, <laughs> I'm very like analytical and, mm-hmm. I'm also extremely impulsive. So like the blend of both of those things can make for just a lot of noise up here in my brain. And for the the listener, I'm just like kind of doing chatty Kathy noises (laughs) by my like little um, chatting hand signals by my my brain. Um, I always forget that podcasts are audio. Um, (laughs) Somehow I, I feel like it always works. Like podcasts even that I listen to where... I can tell I'm like listening to it. I'm like, they're doing, they're doing a visual bit for yeah. sure. But it's it, somehow I'm like, that's, that's funny that I'm podca- listening I to fucking, a visual bit. Podcasts are so good. Like it just feels like you're in the room with your friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels I, like you're like, an, I, I'm more of a, um, I like listen to a podcast when I'm on a walk rather than just like in my apartment. Too. Yeah, um, yeah. But when I'm like going for like a nice long walk, I don't know if you ever go hiking, um, Gary and like, Oh yeah, Pasadena I've got. Altadena, but I've got two dogs, so it's it's necessary. <laughs> uh, I love. I was in Altadena for a hike on Thanksgiving. I cannot remember for the life of me the name of the place, but it was so beautiful, and I almost died. It was great. Um, I love <laughs> that's, yeah, climbing that's up mountains. Everything that out I'm here like... in a nutshell. You're like there could be rattlesnakes, there could be a loose rock, and you could plummet, but the view is worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So where's Gosh, it for the Instagram? Uh, I wanted to go yesterday because it was so beautiful. The sunset out here. I don't know if it was. I feel like it's the same all over the whole state, like every night. But last night, the sunset was genuinely like purple. I've never seen it. Uh, I mean, I can't say I've never seen anything like it because it's like every night out here. It's crazy. But, yeah, yeah. I just moved into a new place in Silver Lake, Echo, like right on the border between Silver Lake and Echo Park. And, oh, cool. Um, 
we have like roof access. We meaning I oh, have roof access, and nice. I also there's like a little balcony too in the front of the building um, that's like kind of communal. Um, but I I haven't yet taken my little chair up there and watched the sunset. But I think I have time tonight, so I might do that and that sounds just awesome. watch the sunset. Um, yeah, because I think I think that's like the thing that keeps me in LA. I mean, I jokingly say that I hate I fucking hate this place so much. <laughs> I do, but like the the views and the the weather and the nature of it all, and like getting to like watch the sunset and like walk outside and have it be like a clear like I mean, I'm looking right now. There's like just not a single cloud in the sky. It's all blue, like, oh. and it's February, like. No, sorry, mm-hmm. Calvin. I know you're. I know. You're I'm just so jealous. No, it's okay. We're gonna get him out here. That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's that's, plan that's why we gotta we gotta juice him up so he comes out. <laughs> juice him up. I love it. Butter him up. Yeah, I was uh, like, what's the phrase? No. I mean, um, part of why that's so appealing to me is I find myself a very visual person. Like that's why I like to write things out and like you know you know draw things out and. That's one of the things that appeals me most about L.A. Do you, do you find yourself to be a mostly visual person, Rivka? Or? Um, I am. I'm all of the senses, I feel. All of the senses. What I don't a good know. answer. <laughs> I like, I, I don't know. It's weird. I've been getting, you know, little down, like I call them downloads, but they're like, when I was a kid, I used to get visual, like, you know, I used to get visions like of ghosts and things like that that like weren't that weren't there but they totally Mm -hmm. were and like my mom is superstitious and she's like very religious too so like Mm -hmm. she would just be like freaked out by that and um I think each kind of trauma point in my life like I've gained a new like sense of like seeing things or hearing or feeling or sensing or thinking things of like clairvoyance and clairaudience and stuff. And I started getting audio downloads when I was like in like middle school. And then when I was in high school, I started getting the sentience, the clairsentience where I started to feel things. And now it's just like a constant scent of sense of like claircognizance where I'm just like consistently just like all of it is just, it's loud in here. With it's sure. it's in, it's loud in my brain, but like I I definitely like visual. They I feel like they go in hand hand in hand. Where I'm like oh like visual you know cues like lead me to the like other senses and yeah I, I feel like it's always visual first for me. So yeah I guess I, that's a very long and <laughs> witchy and woo woo way to say that I do yeah I do see myself oh, as a visual person it's very fascinating I think that's really cool um I, I also identify with sort of loud head syndrome um what do you turn to most to try and like find your place of zen you know like what do you do to relax well what I used to do stopped working um which was drugs and then sure. uh and then when drugs stopped working, I, you know, would just, uh, try and like numb out in relationships and like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was like poly and like addicted to mm-hmm. dating apps and like, was just like always with somebody new, um, every night of the week. And it was just so toxic. And then, um, when I moved out here, um, I was working on this play and one of the girls that was in the play with me was sober 
And she was just like, do you meditate at all? And I was just like, no. And she was like, you need to. Mm. So I got this meditation app and started just like timing myself for like three minutes. And then, you know, once three minutes started feeling like it wasn't enough, I would go to four, five, six meditation. And then, um, I love my like guided meditations too, like that I listen to. There's like a bunch of them on Spotify and there's also, yeah. um, Riza just came out with an album of guided meditations that are so good. Um, oh, okay. yeah, no, check it out. They're definitely great. I think it's just called yeah, guided no. explorations by Riza. Um, it, <laughs> they're so funny. Um, and then, yeah, meditation for sure. Um, yeah, I think typically when I'm starting to feel like boxed in or whatever by thought, I just like go outside because literally I can just like see the the colors and the sky and, and, you know, and the trees and the nature and stuff and just be like, oh, there's something much bigger than me, tiny little, you know, finite self. Yeah, uh, right. and, and I'm a very, you know, selfish you know, person when I'm not careful and to get out of myself, I have to physically get out of myself and like go outside and just breathe, which is, yeah. yeah. And I was like, so stoked to like come out here, um, for 2020. Cause I was like, okay, I like mm-hmm. did two back-to-back films in Chicago and, you know, a couple right. of plays and 2019 was my year. Like 2019 was just so much work and so much abundance and um I fell in love and like I had this just magical year and then I was just like okay what's gonna make this better like how can we double this and I was like let's move to LA and then it's like within two months of me being here COVID happened lost my job lost my apartment lost my relationship like all and but the thing that kept me from I mean killing myself honestly was just like sobriety and being like you know, connected with other people who are sober too. And, you know, just making sure that I was staying present in that kind of community and everything else kind of falls into place. Wow. That's super good to hear. I like that. I just, I like hearing that from you. Uh, 2020 was like supposed to be everyone's year and then it just was everyone's uh downfall i feel right, like literally and like there were so many posts that were like oh my god 2020 vision like you know yeah no uh, i remember the <laughs> yeah. beginning of the year thinking this is the year that like starts a thing um it's just always really really nice to hear it when someone when we made it through like we did it together i feel like you're part of our you're part of this big team that is humanity all just trying to make it through this shitty time. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so hard. And it's, it sucks. It fucking sucks. We lost so many good like celebrities and like family members yeah. and stuff. Like I, I lost a couple of friends to the virus. Um, mm. You know, like my, my ex partner, like his grandpa died of COVID and he had to go take care of his family, like for a couple weeks uh, during the pandemic. And like, there's just, I mean, it's so, it's so sad. Like, and seeing yeah. so many of my friends' parents die from COVID and, and grandparents and stuff. But, like, I didn't relapse. I didn't make any, like, impulsive decisions with my hair. Um, <laughs> you know. I heard that song of yours. <laughs> the, yes, yes. <laughs> Nothing to do with you. Yes, um, I love that song. That was, um, 
I wrote that for Bring the Funny. Um, I was I was on the the first and I guess only season of Bring the Funny, and they were like, "Your material, we love it, but your stuff is all too blue for NBC. So can you write some like safe for television mm-hmm. stuff?" And I wrote that oh, song, that's funny. and they were like, "We love it. We want you to do it on a show." And then I came to LA prepared to do that. And they were like, oh, last minute, like, we want you to do one of your other pieces that was on your YouTube. Uh, can you do this one instead? And I was just like, oh, great. My least favorite one. Cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Reality wow. TV is fucked up. They like mess with you. They And I recently got a call from America's Got Talent. Like, this is like a week ago, America's Got Talent reached out to me. And I was just like, yeah, that's going to be a big no for me. Like, an yeah. absolute, I'm sorry. No. Like, I can't do it again. I'm not going to do it. And they're like, oh, we're different. I'm like, no, y'all not. It's the same exact, <laughs> it's the same network. It's the same setup. It's like, yeah. no, I'm not doing it. And then they continued to like push the boundary and they were like, hey, like I said, we sent, we sent your stuff to, you know, another higher up. And like, you know, we sent, I sent my stuff, I sent your stuff to the, my boss and, you know, they really wanted to see you do like, you know, a, uh, an, in-person audition and I'm like it's COVID like I'm not going anywhere for an audition for something especially like this that I don't want to do yeah Yeah, and I just know it's not for me and that's like the beauty um because if I was in a like more scarcity uh centered mindset of like well like somebody's reaching out like I might as well just do this like you know it's another way for me to get my face out there like if I was in that place I would have said yes immediately but like I think like one of the beautiful gifts of like having this time off and like learning more about like what my values are rather than just like obsessing about goals and like results, like being like, well, no, Riv, like what are your values? Like, what is your process? Hmm. And now that I've become more value oriented rather than like goals and results oriented, like I feel like I can like weed out the projects that are being offered to me and be like, no. I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. Good luck with your search. Without yeah, sweating, awesome. without thinking, like, oh, did I just ruin my chance? Is that the last chance I'll ever get? Like, no. Right. Like, I know that there is always, like, going to be something better and more aligned with my, you know, values than a fucking talent show on reality TV. No shade to people who, like, want to do that. Like, no shade. Yeah, but, sure. like, it's just not yeah. for me. I've tried it. Yeah. It did not work. It's not for me. That's so interesting, too, that they, like, reach out. I never even knew that that was a thing. Like, so they reached out to you. Via to Instagram. Make... Wow, that's so... Uh, <laughs> I wow. work right across the street from where they film America's Got Talent because it's in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And every day that they film that, obviously, this last year wasn't... It was, like, not... I guess what they did was they used clips from, like, old live studio audiences and, like... Oh my god! Uh, edited them in so like when you'd see reactions of the crowd, they'd be like, oh, "Wow!" And it's like, "Wait, that doesn't even make sense. That wasn't a wow moment." Um, oh but years so in the past, it's always so crazy how just like I don't even know the word for it. People just get so uh, on one about just like being on TV or being a part of the show. You know, mm-hmm. like I walk out of work and I'll walk down the street towards home because I can literally walk to work. And I walk like six blocks of a line of people all just like lined up oh to be in the audience of that show. And then you find out they don't get bathroom breaks. They don't oh. get snacks. So they're stuck sitting in that audience for like six hours. And then they're all let loose yeah. 
and they all have to just like go to a restaurant or go get their own you know it's like oh my some of gosh. them do get snacks okay oh. thank god the hot ones get snacks oh, oh really god yep are you they serious pick, they so they literally pick people from the line or at least this is like what i noticed was that they pick kind of like vip and like that includes like guests of the competitors and stuff right like they, they mm-hmm. pick like a couple folks that are in the audience as like guests of like the show and whatever. And they, they, you know, bring them to like areas in the back where they can kind of just like chill and like eat snacks, get, they get access to crafty um, oh my God. and stuff like that. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's really sad. It's Reality really fucking TV. hilarious. Ugh. That's like the whole subculture out here i feel like it's just like if, are you, you hot? if you're hot you get snacks okay come on in have a snack <laughs> oh my god well um i think this might be uh around the time we have with you rivka i want to thank you so much for just having such wonderful conversation and being open and uh i want to give props to you on the professional work you've done and the personal work that you've done that you've alluded to and told us about today it's just such a pleasure to talk to you like really really thank you for for joining us oh thanks you guys yeah thank you for having me and um i look forward to hearing kind of how school of rock like influenced you guys when you were kids yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah we didn't talk about it a lot just because i know i feel like uh, we didn't even talk about it yeah, I I realized too, like, of the interviews that I've listened to with you in them and of, like, the article that you wrote, which was, like, I don't even think we mentioned that. It was really beautiful, by the way. Thank I, you. We both read that. Yeah. Um, I, all my questions were pretty much answered as far as, like, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's, like, that's the stuff you've been asked <laughs> plenty of times. So, we were, like, we can find that if I want to know... Uh, you know, like, oh, are are the cast members friends? It's like we do yeah, have a group text. Um, the yep. the group chat is on fire, and we do like that's so cool. I love them so much. They're like my little family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the group chat is called. It's a funny reference from the movie. I just forgot what it was, which is wild considering I named it. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the group chat is Schnee Blay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we're, yeah, we're scheduling like a family little, just like an internal like reunion on zoom for the end of the month where we're just going to get together and, um, yeah, celebrate our successes. Like Miriam who played Tamika, she, um, really, she released, um, an album like last week and it's very good um if y'all want to check it out her stage name is marinate which is spelled m-a-y-h-r-e-n-a-t-e marinate okay and she just came out with an album um the song wave is so good um i've literally been listening to it like multiple times (laughs) like uh, yeah multiple times a week she's such a star um and yeah, Brian, who played Billy, uh, the, the band's costume designer, um, he does music now. He's a country singer. Um, he's also a life coach, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I, if I remember I was, correctly, I think I read an article that he wrote too about uh, his experiences with School of Rock and uh, Mike White 
and his relationship with Rick Lick later. That's like a whole nother like <laughs> rabbit hole that we could dive into. But there's a lot to unpack when it comes to specific. I think it's it comes down to just being young hmm. and being in a production run by a bunch of adults who are telling you what to do. It's like that's, yeah. you know, it, it. there's so many stories. I feel like it's not just yours and his. And I feel like there's just an unlimited amount of uh insane stories when it comes to child acting you know yeah well luckily and this is where i this is where i get out my <laughs> i feel like i like open a briefcase now and I'm, like this is my shark tank uh, moment where i'm like <laughs> yay i don't know i have never watched shark tank i, I don't i just imagine <laughs> that they open a briefcase and their product is in it and they're like so I that's that why happens. i'm releasing so I am uh, going to be releasing a podcast where I bring on other child actors and talk about where we are now. Um, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done any episodes yet by chance or I've got them all lined scheduled. anything up? I've got them all lined oh. up. I'm so excited. I can't give anything away, but I'm super stoked to share it with the world. And, and I hope people listen. I really love um I love podcasts and I've like loved listening to them. And I was just like, I don't need to do one. I listened to so many of them and it's like, what, what is that logic? Eventually. Like just do yeah. one. Yeah, no. just do one. Yeah. Cause you got two listeners right here. We're oh, going to be absolutely. all over that. And you've that got whatever awesome. listeners we've got as well. We'll be, we'll be oh, shouting thanks, it out guys. whenever we see it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much. You guys are great interviewers. Oh, well. oh thank you. <laughs> thank you. This has been so fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to conclude. We haven't done a whole lot of like more formal interviews, but uh, yeah. um, I can tell them that I can tell them. And by them, I mean the, the fans, the audience. <laughs> yeah. I, hate, I hate saying fans, um, <laughs> the, the audience, the listeners um, to find me at um, my website, which is Rivka Reyes.com. It's R A V K dot com, And all my social media is like linked to my website. I also have um, a booking link for like tarot uh, readings and Akashic oh, Records cool. readings, which is something that I do in my spare oh, time cool. um, when I'm not absolutely just obsessing over writing this pilot um, yeah. or writing this TV show. Sorry. Um, there, you there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, change the narrative. Um, anyways, thank you. And um, I'll see you guys on the internet. Wow. Yeah, what a pleasure it was having Rivka on this program. Um, If you're curious about more things that they had to, uh, that they would have to say about their experience in School of Rock, uh, I have their article that they wrote about their experience sort of being a, a child actor and fame and all of that and how it influenced their life. Uh, that'll be linked in the description as well as their website and all the links that ensue from that. So please go check them out and check out some of their work. Thank you again, Rivka. It was seriously a pleasure and I was a little starstruck going into it and super comfortable within minutes I hope we get to, you know, have a chance to chat with you again soon. Um, I'm sure the people listening love it just as much as we loved formulating the interview. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, if you're looking for other content of ours, this has been a Legendary 4 production. So on legendary4.com, 
You can find all of these episodes as well as all of the episodes of our Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast called Legendary Four Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Yeah, all those episodes are on there. You can comment in the comment sections in each individual episode. You can also reach out to us on social media at New Lens Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Woo! Thanks to Sophina Sago for our podcast art. And check out those links to the Black Lives Matter movement and ways that you can donate and the featured link that I try and change up uh, to give you a little break from that massive list. So we uh, we will be out another week. I'm doing something on my own that will set us back just another week, but we should be back with Avatar again on Wednesday the 17th of February. 2021 this current year unless you're listening in the future <laughs> in which case thank you for listening in the future yeah checking out that <laughs> backlog i'm calvin and i'm gary this has been a new lens Ready, do, 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 do.